All right. Well, here we are again, back once again live on a Wednesday night where we go ahead and open it up for prayer and just a time of chatting if anybody is up for doing so. Um, I'm just going to go. I just went ahead and pushed the live button and here we are once again. I was thinking today I'm just going to take a little bit of time here, read from the book of 2 Corinthians. Um, started a little bit late tonight because I was working on my work van. The latch on my rear door broke and I had to get that fixed before tomorrow. So thankfully I have a buddy of mine who's much smarter than I am when it comes to stuff like this who gave me a hand and it made it go a little bit simpler. Just had to run out and buy a part for that. So anyway, thank you for joining us. Again, if uh, you've come upon this recording, maybe you're watching this not live with us, uh, you've come upon the recording or the audio version of this teaching, um, welcome. Or I shouldn't call this a teaching because I'm really not doing just my normal type of teaching tonight on Wednesday night. It's something that uh, I just do to open it up for people that might need prayer and just to kind of fill the time. There's no better way to fill the time than by reading the scriptures. So um, 66 books, 27 books in the uh, New Testament, 66 books in, or 39 books in the Old Testament. The interesting thing is about 13 or 14 of the books of the 27 books of the New Testament, about 13 or 14 is kind of debatable whether it's 13 or 14. People don't really know, uh, you know, or people debate if um, Hebrews, for example, was written by the Apostle Paul. As I read the book of Hebrews, um, I tend to lean to the fact that it was just the style of writing. But um, 13, at least of 13 of the books of the um, New Testament were written by the Apostle Paul. So hello, Isaac from Oregon. Um, just came from a Zoom meeting, so perfect timing. Good. I, I, I don't know if you were here, Isaac, when I said I came on late uh, due to a problem with my work van that I was working on. Um, so anyway, um, I'm sorry, my wife was talking to me here. What'd you say? I said it's fast timing. Oh, <laughs> yeah, she said it's God's timing, which it always is. God is good. His timing is perfect. But yeah, so I thought, um, again, this is really about a time of prayer and, and any help that I might be able to give some of you or any of you. And again, if you're one that's come upon this recording, you can email me at aloveoutreach at gmail.com. I will get that email um, and I can answer any questions that you have. I do have some questions that were sent in and I'm not prepared tonight with jumping on here at the last minute to go through them, but I do have a list of questions that maybe on a future Wednesday night or some other live recording that I'll do, um, I'll go ahead and answer some of those type of questions that are there. So anyway, um, what I thought I'd do here, because this was a scripture that was on my mind earlier today, is read a little bit to you while I'm waiting for some of you to chat if you're, you know, feel so inclined to, to do so. Um, I'll read a little bit from 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 
So this is the Apostle Paul, one of the 13 or 14 books written in the New Testament by the Apostle Paul. Um, Therefore, he says, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. Paul says, but we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully. And this is why I constantly point you to the word of God when I teach, um, as probably many pastors do, hopefully, right? But unfortunately, there are those that handle the word of God deceitfully, and they turn it into things that it's really not about. It's for their own gain, uh, maybe financial gain or whatever the case may be, maybe not preaching or teaching the word of God as it is written. Maybe that keeps people in the seats or in the pews of the church, but it's very important that you don't listen to somebody like me only. I mentioned a couple of weeks ago about the Bereans, right? That those people that, you know, put, put even Paul, the Apostle Paul to the test. So if you put the Apostle Paul to the test, then every other pastor, every other minister under the sun should be put to the test uh, in regards to what they speak or what they teach. So read the word of God for yourself. So he says, not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. So he was, Paul was making sure that what he and those that were traveling with him were doing was teaching and preaching what the Lord had called him to do. Keep in mind, the, Paul had a radical um experience in his life. You know, he was, Paul, if you don't know, was formerly called Saul. And again, it's pretty amazing that he wrote, you know, 13 or 14 of these books in the New Testament. But he was a man that was anti the Lord. He was anti-Christians. He had gotten permission. You can read about it in the book of Acts, around Acts chapter 9, where he had gotten permission to go out and have Christians arrested and Christians killed. And his name at the time was Saul. And uh, while he was on that journey, heading and doing what he was going to do, going out to arrest these Christians and kill these Christians, um, he uh, met the Lord. The Lord met him. The Lord smacked him down on the road to Damascus, the city in which he was going to. And he came to the Lord and the Lord instructed him and, and, and filled him with his spirit. And Paul was going to go out and then begin to preach and teach the gospel. He went through a period of blindness. You can read the whole story. A man named Ananias came, laid uh, hands on him, healed him. He received his sight. He then spent the rest of his life and became a martyr for the Lord. He died preaching the gospel. So I'm bringing all that up to you just to say that he was very serious about what he did. Now, you and I, all these years later, are beneficiaries of that life of somebody like the Apostle Paul. And we have other writers, we have other authors throughout the whole Bible, but Paul predominantly was the writer of the New Testament. Um, So, but he was somebody that was committed to it. Now we have that written down, what the Lord commanded him to do and to preach. So he's saying here in 2 Corinthians chapter four, look, I'm, I'm not doing this deceitfully. And, you know, Paul never asked for money and it wasn't about that for him, you know, and, but he says though, 
that he commended himself, they commended themselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. So they kept everything on the table. Hello, Kevin and Becky. Thank you for joining us from Gettysburg again tonight. Appreciate you being here. But Paul goes on to say in verse three, but even if our gospel is veiled, right? When you think of a veil, it's, it's like a blinder over the eyes. And he's talking about how the gospel gets veiled and, and um, where people just can't see it. They just don't understand the gospel message. But he says, it is veiled to those who are perishing. But then in verse four of 2 Corinthians 4, he gives the reason why these blinders are on people's eye. And remember, he was one of them too, okay? I was one of them people too. I didn't understand the gospel. I didn't know, my eyes weren't open to the truth of the word of God and what the Lord you know, what this was all about. Um, you know, sometimes you can subscribe to a religion and you can go to a church and if, if the pastor's not diligent in teaching you the word of God, you might not get it at all. But there again, it's your responsibility, it's my responsibility because we have the Bible. It's our responsibility to read it and to learn it and to grow into grace. Now, we don't have to be Bible scholars, right? But it's written for our learning that we can learn these things. But in verse four here, Paul gives um, the, the reason why people, the gospel is veiled to people, you know? And it, there, there, is, there is something behind it. And he says, whose minds, so he talks about the minds of the people who the gospel is veiled to. He says, whose minds, the God of this age. And he uses the word God there. And if you read it from the New King James Version especially, they, they make it a point to uh, not put a capital G on that word God. It's a little G, right? Lowercase G, right? It's not talking about the God of all creation, right? It's not talking about the God and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, right? It's talking about the God of this age, right? Who is that? That's Satan. Jesus refers to Satan as the one who comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. He wants to hide the gospel to people. He wants to blind the eyes of people so that their eyes aren't open, so they don't come to the true knowledge of God. Why? So he can run their lives. He can run and ruin their lives, right? And destroy and to steal from you, to take from you that which God has for you, a purpose and a plan for your life. And the purpose and the plan is that you would come to the knowledge of him through Jesus Christ, our Lord, okay? But he says, again, I'm taking a long time to go through these verses here, but in whose minds the God of this age has blinded, so he's blinded their minds who do not believe lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, look at that, the glory of Christ, the light. We see the word light there. We see the word glory there. We're seeing good things, something that is a, a revelation, something that opens up your eyes and, and opens up your mind and opens up your heart to say, hey, there's more to this life than, than just what I can see, what my five senses can understand, right? There's more to this life. 
than just living and dying and that's it, you know? Uh, there, there's more to it. God has a purpose and a plan and he sent his only son to redeem us, right? And he says, but uh, Paul's writing here and he says that people's minds are blinded, right? So that the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, he says, and now he uses the capital G on God there, right? Jesus is the image of God, right? If you go and you read John chapter one, uh, you know, the gospel of John chapter one, it says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. It's talking about the beginning, right? The beginning of creation, right? Genesis says in the beginning, right? John one, the, the gospel of John starts out, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, and all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So it's saying, this is the creator. Then if you drop down, if you keep reading, I'm not gonna quote all the verses, but if you keep reading in John chapter one, you get down to verse 14, it says that the word that it's speaking of there that created all that was there in the beginning with God, that was God, it says that the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. The glory as the only begotten of the, of the father, full of grace and truth. Okay, that's what John chapter one says. That's who Jesus Christ is. He's full of grace and truth. He's full of grace in that he's willing to forgive your sin. God sent his son into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And Paul in here in 2 Corinthians chapter four is just saying people's minds are blinded to that. They're not seeing it. Why? Well, because... They don't want to surrender their lives to Christ. They want to be the captain of their own ship. They want to believe that, you know, they can do it on their own. You know, everyone likes to think, well, I'm going to heaven when I die. Everyone likes to think that's where everybody goes. But that's not what the Bible teaches, right? It teaches that those that are born again of the Spirit, those that come to faith in Jesus Christ, and that's the gospel that Paul is talking about here, the gospel that was preached, the gospel that says you need to repent. You need to turn from your own ways, your own way of life, and this is a daily process. I talked about this a couple Wednesdays ago, maybe last Wednesday. They're all running together on me right now, so I may repeat a lot of stuff because I'm just flying by the seat of my pants on this, as they say, right? But, you know, uh, Satan has this job that he's doing that he wants to keep people from the knowledge of the Lord. So he comes up with everything under the sun, all different kinds of excuses. Well, if there's a God, and that's some of the questions that I have that um, you know I'll try to address in the future. I've got a list of questions that were sent to me, um, but some of the questions, you know, of course, that people always ask: it, If there is a God, then why this? If there is a God, then why that? Right? Well. You just have to read the Bible. You have to understand the Bible. You have to come to the knowledge of who God is. And the only way we know that is by knowing the image of God, as verse four talks about him here, the Jesus Christ.
That's how we come to know God because when we come to faith in him, we give our lives to him and we say, Lord, fill me with your spirit. Let me know your will. Let me know your ways for my life and what you have for me and what you want me to do. And then we say, okay, you know, Lord, I see this as the instruction manual for my life, right? For our lives. It's, It's the... What do they call that? The owner's manual. I used to always, I've told this story. I don't think I have, you know, to you guys here on Wednesday Night Live. But um, I remember back in the day when everybody had a VCR and the VCR used to sit on top of the TV, right? And it seemed like everybody's house that you went to, um, it was 12 o'clock, flashing on the VCR. Everybody I knew that had a VCR, the one that I had when I got my first apartment, it was 12 o'clock flashing on the VCR because no one ever knew how to set the time on those things, you know? And um, I mean, look at technology nowadays, right? And what we have to know and what we have to learn and all of that, you know? But you know, no one ever knew how to set the time on those things. But looking back on it, I, I think I'm sure there was an owner's manual that came with it, right? A set of instructions that talked about this is how you set the time on this thing. But no one ever wanted to read it. You know, well, that's really what the Bible is. You know, um, something that is an owner's manual of our We're not the owner. The owner says, this is the way it works. Hey, you want to know how to set the clock of your life? You want to know how to, you know, flow along smoothly? You want to know how to do this, that, the other thing? How to live your life to please God the way your owner created you to be? You know, I mean, you look at some things today and I still, I do read this, but I don't read owner's manuals. You know, I'd rather go on YouTube and watch a video how do you do this? You know, how do you how do you make this work? How do you get the most out of it? And and it's probably hurt me that I don't, because a lot of the software that I use, and even even in just doing this little production like this, you know, the software that I use and all of that, um, I'd probably know a lot more and probably could do things a lot easier if I would just read the instructions that come with it. Okay. Um, and that's, that's the case for our lives. That's the way we can make it so that our eyes are not blinded, right? That our eyes are open and that we see things clearly and we understand what does the owner, the, the God of all creation, the word that became flesh and dwelt among us, what does he want from me? And you know what? He's, he doesn't leave us comfortless. He doesn't leave us all alone, and, and, and he doesn't just tell us, try to figure it out. No, when we seek him, when we diligently seek him and we come to him by faith, he will give us his spirit. And the Bible says we can have the mind of Christ so we can know how to get through this life and how to do things, right? Let me go ahead and read a comment here. Isaac in Oregon. I've been looking... Uh, into some stuff on the problem of evil. We can choose to either understand a bad circumstance, to have negative overall, or know that God can use even that for good purposes. Amen. True. That's a true statement. And 
um, some most of the, I want to say sometimes, but most of the time we don't want it to work out that way. We don't want struggles to come our way. We don't want hard times. We don't want something bad to happen to try to find out something good to come out of it. But that's how God does work often. I mean, he has in my life, you know, but I've come to find out over the years as you stay the course that it increases your faith when you realize that you do learn something even out of the bad circumstances that that have negative results in our lives. God works all things, the scripture tells us, all things together for good. I think we looked at Romans a couple weeks ago, maybe it was last week on a Wednesday night, right? That he works all things together for our good. And, um, you know, that's not the way of our carnal mind, right? Our natural mind, right? We, we don't want it that way. You know, we, we don't want hard times. We don't want difficult times. But when you look at all the things in life that produce something good, I mean, I don't know. I don't go to the gym anymore, you know, but if I were a weightlifter, right? You know, the more I'm bench pressing, the more I'm working at it, the more I'm adding weight, the more I'm adding weight, the stronger I'm getting, the more pressure that is on me, the stronger I get, right? And that, that's how, you know, we're going through, no doubt about it, we're going through a time of testing. You know, that's what this life is because it, for the believer in Jesus Christ, it's only going to get way better. All of this will be will be behind us, but God is pruning us right now. He's molding us and he's shaping us and as he does that, he has to apply pressure to our lives. That's okay on the grammar, Isaac. I under, I understood what you were talking about there. I've got you you'll hear me with plenty of bad grammar, don't worry about it. But anyway, just that pressure that, you know, you think of that potter, right? And and the clay and as he's molding that and he's applying pressure to it. Um my uh I'll, I'll put a little plug in if I can remember what it's called. My son-in-law's grandfather, um you can find him his name's John Thomas. I believe you can find it on YouTube. He's got an excellent um kind of thing he puts on. He's a potter. Um, he he went when he left California years ago. He went and started a pottery business in Pennsylvania, but he also planted a church and became a pastor. But he does a little demonstration with pottery, and and he just talks his way through that how God molds and shapes our lives and what He does in our lives. There are other people that do it. There's a guy down. Um, in Sierra Vista um, that does that as well, another pastor that is a potter as well. But anyway, just we think about that, how we get that pressure on our lives and and it, it has its benefit in our lives, you know? And yeah, we would love, Isaac, like you're talking about, when you say the problem of evil, we would love for that to be gone, wouldn't we? Look at, I mean, you know, look at the, the woman that was abducted and killed, um, in Memphis, you know, these things are tragic and they break our heart. And, you know, it's funny, but I don't, funny is the wrong word. There's bad grammar right there, right? You know, as a pastor, you tend to, you tend to get bad news a lot. You tend to get people saying, 
hey, this is what's going on. This is what's happening. This, pray for me about this. Pray about that. This happened. That happened. And that's all good. That's all part of the body of Christ, right? But we just long for the day. We long for the time when all of that's gone. But in the meantime, yes, Isaac, it's absolutely true that God is working it out in our lives for good purposes, you know? Um, and I've talked about it in the past. It's, it's that we're not floating in the lazy river of Christianity on a, tl- on a tube, you know? We're fighting a fight of faith is what happens, is what, is what we're going through in this life, you know? So anyway, Paul, you know, he just, he talks about that. And, you know, when, when I thought about this scripture today about how the God of this age, Satan, blinds the eyes of people who do not believe. That's the key phrase in verse 4, 2 Corinthians 4, 4. That's the key phrase, who do not believe. Who do not believe what? Who do not believe in Jesus Christ. Who do not believe in the gospel message that you must repent of your sin, that you must come to faith in Jesus Christ. And then what happens is old things pass away and all things become new, right? But that's the key is people who do not believe their eyes are blinded to this, right? And Paul goes on in verse five and says, for we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. And that's the key too with the apostle Paul. It wasn't about himself. It wasn't about building his ministry. He wasn't about building a big church and having lots of followers and people come to him. Matter of fact, this same group of believers Paul scolded at another time and said, look, you're, you're acting like babies. You're immature by saying, I am of Paul. I am of Cephas, who is Peter, right? I am of Apollos. In other words, people who say, well, I'm of this, you know, I follow this man. I follow this church. I follow this um, religion. So yeah, if maybe I can show you this. The potter and the clay Pastor John Thomas. That's the one my wife just showed me that. That's the one I was talking about, right? But anyway, the Apostle Paul says here, we do not preach ourselves. You know, it's not about building your own church, building your own empire. There's already a king, and it's King Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and that's who we serve. We are subjects in his kingdom. So in verse six, he says, for it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness. Remember in the beginning, God said, let there be light. Who was there in the beginning? The word, the word that became flesh and dwelt among us, right? God in the beginning commanded light to shine out of darkness. And it says, it is that God who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So if you wanna know God, you want to see God. Jesus is the image of God, and you come to faith in Him. Someday we will see His face. Today we walk by faith and not by sight. So, but right now, verse 7 goes on to say that we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Why? 
In other words, th these bodies of clay, if you will, these bodies that are just going to dissolve, you know, and be no more, these earthen vessels. We have this treasure. What treasure? The treasure of the knowledge of God in Jesus Christ. That's a treasure when you have that, when you have Christ in you, the hope of glory, when you have the spirit of the Lord. And he says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Why? So that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. In other words, it's no glory to us. Paul's saying, it's no glory to me what I'm doing in preaching the gospel. You know, and, and we... None of us as Christians, none of us as followers of Christ should be drawing attention to ourselves. We should be telling people of the knowledge of God that's in Jesus Christ, that we can know God through Jesus Christ. And the apostle Paul says, we are hard pressed on every side. You know what, Penn, you wanna answer this call? Um, we are hard pressed, he says, on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. Now, look, I don't have, and I'm sure most of you don't have the kind of life that the Apostle Paul and those, those early day apostles of Jesus had and the persecution that they had to face and the beatings and everything that they had to take, I've been through none of that kind of stuff in my faith in the Lord. So the apostle Paul's saying, we, he's been through all type of stuff, right? And he, told, he tells us to imitate him. He tells us to be imitators of him. Right now, that may sound contrary to what I was just saying. Right where we don't look unto Paul, we don't want to. Draw, he's not trying to draw people to Paul, but Paul was saying, "Hey, look, I'm I'm laying down my life. You see me being persecuted. You see me being imprisoned. Right? You see me going through all of this kind of stuff, and I'm doing that as an example to you that." we can carry about in our body the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ, right? We're to remember the death of the Lord till he comes, right? He says, for we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So that's talking about, again, again, I'm talking, like I mentioned earlier, that gospel where we die to ourselves, we take up the cross, we follow after the Lord, we repent of our own way of living and we say, Lord, your will be done and not my will be done, right? And he says, we do this for Jesus' sake, right? So that Jesus will be manifested in our mortal flesh, that others may be able to see, like in the life of the Apostle Paul, you know, that he was a servant of Jesus Christ. So he says, now he says here, this is the Apostle Paul talking again to the Corinthians. He says in verse 12, so then death is working in us, but life in you. So that's what we have. Again, going back to what I said in the beginning, 13 or 14 of the books of the New Testament, Testament were accredited to Paul, right? Why do we, we have the benefit of what is written down here. We have the benefit of that for our daily lives, so we might have that life of Christ in us, that abundant life. Hello to Michael 
and Rachel um, from New Jersey. God bless you guys. Thanks for joining us. You know, I get, you go by the one name on the Facebook there, Michael and Rachel. God bless you guys. Um, Isaac, uh, you said who was that pastor who did the Potter and the Clay sermon? Uh, John Thomas, um, the one down in Sierra Vista, though, um, Pat Lasorchik, I think is how you pronounce his last name. But John Thomas is, is in Pennsylvania. Uh, he is the grandfather of my son-in-law. But yeah, he did the Potter and the Clay sermon as well. And I'm, I'm almost certain you can find that on YouTube, okay? So again, but going back to verse 12. So then death is working in us, the apostle Paul says, but life in you. So again, we have the benefit of the scriptures. That's why I exhort you, I encourage you to read the scriptures because that's how you're going to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And as we read earlier, what is that knowledge? It is a treasure. We read um, verse seven, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. To know Jesus is the greatest treasure there can ever be because it's going to have the greatest payoff there can ever be. Life eternal with Jesus. And he says, and since Paul says in verse 13, and since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. Paul saying, I know what I'm doing has a benefit. In the end, we're all gonna be with the Lord. And Paul laid down his life to preach the gospel. And today we can read it and benefit from it, like I said. And he says in verse 15, for all things are for your sakes, that grace having spread through the many may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Listen to this. He says, even though the outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Do you feel that in your life? Do you know that in your life today that your inward man is being renewed day by day? I'm telling you how that happens. It's through the living word of God that it, it says in Hebrews that it's sharper than any two-edged sword, right? It cuts deep within you. It's a discerner, it says, of the thoughts and the intents of your heart. You no longer think the same. You no longer act the same. You no longer react, react the same. Sure, we've talked about this in, in times past. We all stumble. We all trip up. We all mess up. But with the spirit of the Lord within us, correcting us and guiding us and showing us the way that we should, we should walk, we can grow and be renewed day by day. But it's a day by day thing. That's another thing to point out here in verse 16. Uh, again, if you may happen to just be joining us, 2 Corinthians chapter four, I'm reading from, right? The inward man is being renewed day 
by day. It's not just a one-time lump sum experience when it comes to the Lord. Like, boom, this is all you got. This is all you're getting. No, he is with us. He is with us and we can cast all of our cares on him and day by day we can be renewed in him and renewed in the spirit of our minds, especially as we stay in the word of God and are yielding to the leading of the spirit of the Lord. Look what he says in verse 17. Now check this out. I want to read verse 17. Okay. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more and exceeding and eternal, far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Now go back here. I want to go back up to, uh, where was I? Verse eight. He says, we are hard pressed on every side. Now, notice that I just read to you that he says it's just the light matter, light matter, no big deal. He says, hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. And then Paul in verse 17 says, ah, it's just the light affliction. Because Paul realized something and we all do well to realize this ourselves, right? That this life that we are now living just goes by like that. It's but a vapor. And we're all just passing through. And God has a place prepared for us. Those that love the Lord, God has a place prepared for us, right? And so Paul can say here that it's just the light affliction, the things that we go through in this life. And look at the, the things that happen in this world, how evil it is like you were talking about earlier, Isaac. Um, you know, we live in an evil world, right? But we can make something good out of it by being the type of people that realize we're just passing through and we're traveling lightly. We shouldn't be bogging ourselves down with the things of this world. You know, we should be fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Right, and realizing, hey, man, this this is not my home. You know? So he knows, Paul says here, man, it's the eternal weight of glory, it's just far better. And what does he say here in verse 18? While, look, this is the key, right? He says, while we do not look at the things which are seen. That's what I was just saying, right? Putting our minds on the things of this world. Right, getting bogged down with the struggles of this life, or you know, letting it weigh on us. You know, we, we, how do we keep from from doing that? We we look to eternity. While we do not look at the things which are seen, he says, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So important that we grasp that. And I want to encourage you with that tonight. You know, whatever may be weighing heavy on your heart, whatever you may be going through in this life, you know, um, realize that we're just passing through. You know, and that we, we don't need to be fixing our eyes on all the things that are happening in this life. We need to put our minds more on Christ and focus on him. So I'm going to go ahead 
and stop here for tonight. Thank you for joining us once again. Um, if you do have any questions that you know you didn't want, you don't really like to jump on right now. I'm just streaming live in two places on YouTube and on um, Facebook, but. Like I said, I do have some questions here that have been emailed to me that I'm going to hope to get to address a couple of them anyway, um, maybe next Wednesday or sometime. But if you do have some things that you know I can pray for you about, um, and when I say questions, I really, like I've mentioned before, I like to focus on life application. How does it matter in, in, in how you're living for Christ? And you know and the things that you're going through in this life. That's what this Wednesday night live is is all about to focus on. But I tell you what, no one's given me any notifications here in regards. You know what? Actually, let me check email just to be sure. I guess I could pull it up here too. But let me just. Uh, Okay, no. So I don't have any prayer requests, but I'm going to go ahead and close in prayer anyway. But once again, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Whichever the case may be, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we thank you for the fact that you have not just left us here alone. You have not just left us here comfortless but it is your will and your desire for our lives that we would diligently seek you and that we would come to find out that as your word says, you are a rewarder of those who diligently seek you. It's important that we pick up the owner's manual, that we read the, the instructions and that we know, Lord, how it is that you desire for us to live and the way in which we should walk. And we know that there is no other way but you, for the, Jesus, for there is no other name given under heaven whereby men can be saved. We know that you are the way, the truth, and the life. And we know that, just like we read tonight, Lord, that it is a treasure that we can have within us, within this earthen vessel, this temporary body in which we now dwell. We can have this treasure of the knowledge of you. And we thank you for men like the Apostle Paul, who you used, and, and Peter, and James, and John, and Matthew, and all of them, Lord, that you used, all the people that you used to, to put your word forth in the world, Lord. And those that even many years later after the apostles sacrificed their lives, people were burned at the stake, like William Tyndale, burned for for printing for getting your by the word out there people have laid down their lives so that we might have the knowledge of eternal life as it is written in the word of god so we thank you for the comfort that you have given us in your word the comfort that you have given us by your spirit who is the comforter we thank you for this time together lord that we can gather even in this manner tonight and we give you all the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, God bless everybody. Thanks again for being with us. And um, I guess until next time, 
we will see you then. Good night, brother Kevin. Have a great night, Michael, Rachel, Isaac, Becky, all of you. Have a great night. I know that there are people watching. I can, can't see who you are, but you haven't commented. Thank you for watching. You all have a good night tonight. God bless.